welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. everyone and welcome to Turn the Page. I'm your host today, Jen, and I'm here with the creator of an absolutely gorgeous comic. And I am so excited to talk about this. It is really, really beautiful. Uh, gorgeous character design and gorgeous environmental storytelling too. So let's hop into this. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please? Certainly. My name is Owen D. Pomery, and I'm an illustrator and author. And I do a number of different types of kind of illustration and things like that. Uh, I've done, uh, this is my fourth, I think, published graphic novel, and the book is called The Hard Switch, which is a, a science fiction story about a kind of impending apocalypse um, and all the kind of rippling effects that that has for people just trying to make their way, make their way in the world, really. Mm. It's an absolutely gorgeous book, as I said, um, and I'm so excited to talk about it. Um, but I w- was wondering if we could start with, um, you know, your journey to the book, if you could talk a little bit about your career and your other work. I'm uh, particularly interested in how your background in architecture informs your work. Um, I saw on your website that you are interested in architectural narrative uh, as one of your sort of writing interests. So could you talk a little bit about that and how that shaped this project? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so I, I studied and worked as an architect for a, a few years, and I enjoyed it. But um, and I kind of always knew that it wasn't quite where I wanted to end up. There was elements of it that I I really related to, and the kind of creation of spaces um, was obviously one of them. And and then also how sort of spaces affects affect the people that are in them was also interested interesting to me. So um, yeah, the kind of narrative architecture element of it is kind of finding stories within locations, I suppose, and maybe that's more apparent in some of the previous books that I've done, but they're kind of characters that are kind of, uh, yeah, sort of coming to terms with a thing which is triggered by a situation they're in or an environment that they're in. So that's kind of how that kind of comes into it. But yeah, I worked as an architect for quite a few years, and then I worked as um, an architectural illustrator, so I was just kind of drawing spaces for architects and drawing buildings and and that kind of helps refine the kind of the uh, the drawings and things we've seen in the comics that I do now and then finally moved over just fully into illustration and all my illustration work now seems to feature quite a lot of architecture and and sort of drawn drawn environments and spaces and things and that features in my comics and graphic novels and things um so yeah that's kind of the road really and yeah what I do day to day kind of ranges quite a lot from like editorial things to branding illustrations um or uh, yeah publishing and yeah there's a whole mix really um I get bored raising so it's nice to jump around and, and get to do do these things that was one of the problems I have with architecture because every project takes so long to go from your initial idea to it being a built building. And it had already been kind of poked out of shape by the time it kind of got there. So I like I like working in illustration. Um, I mean, graphic novels take a little bit longer maybe, but illustration, you can have an initial idea and then have it as a visible thing by the end of the day or, or in, a, in a much shorter space of time. And that kind of 
satisfied whether I can go and try something else somewhere else. So, yeah. That's really cool. And yeah, that is interesting framing because I've always thought about comics as taking a long time to make. But if you're comparing it to like the the time frame of architecture, like that is a very short and breezy project <laughs> in comparison. Um, yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about the story of the hard switch? And yeah, maybe like how this architectural background shapes it, because there is a lot of really interesting, I think, architecture and environmental storytelling in this book. Yeah, um, in, in my last two, especially the last two books, maybe three books, um, the places that they are set kind of really intrigued people. And I got a lot of inquiries um, from people saying, does this actually exist? Or, um, or Googling the places and trying to find it if it was an actual place on the map. And it was never my sort of intention to sort of uh, deceive people. Um, I just liked creating places that seemed very believable and very real. So... I was trying to think of where I could go where people definitely wouldn't think, <laughs> think it was a real place. Or, so I thought I'd, I'd set it in a science fiction kind of world, but use the same techniques to try and make it feel very kind of real and very kind of lived in. And that was kind of probably the starting point. That's kind of, oh, could I do that? Could I make um, somewhere completely other feel like, like home or like a home to the people that are in it, at least anyway. And that was kind of the start point, I think, and then sort of finding a narrative within that. Most projects that I start, start with like a single image that I'm just kind of playing about with. So in the book, in this book, there's a there's a, there's a scene where uh, when the characters sat at like a kiosk in the, at night, um, and it's it was kind of that image that I kind of drew first. Mm. And then I kind of wanted to kind of explore what was outside of that frame and then start to think about what the story would be and, and why they would be there and, and all the other things that folded into it, things um, this um, quite clearly some sort of real world stuff that kind of um, is referenced within it, within the science fiction framework. And um, yeah, so it's all that coming together of those various thoughts and, and, and things, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I really love what um, the world tells you about, like, the history of this universe. Like, there's a lot of hints about sort of where the society kind of finds themselves in their own lifespan and, like, how the people within that world are reacting to that knowledge, you know? And so could you talk a little bit about, like, maybe how the design of the world um, influences your character design, you know, because you have lots of types of uh, creatures in this book who have sort of varying degrees of like humanoidness, you know, <laughs> and some of them are like very clearly products of their environment, but some of them are kind of there like in defiance of their environment almost. So could you talk a little bit about like how the world shapes like the characters uh, that you created to put in that world? Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I guess there's sort of a lot of... Um, of this world in it, in that we're now very sort of diverse and, and scattered all around um, Earth and the planet we're on. And, and some people are, you know, kind of fish out of water situation. And that's kind of suddenly like more common. And if you are a fish out of water, where is water? And it's all connected anyway. Like I like the idea of it being this kind of huge kind of mix of, of people um, being out of place and trying to figure out, well, what is place and why we, why is that? A place I'm from does that matter and and obviously the kind of conceit of the book is well if you couldn't go back to where you were from 
um, if that was taken away from you, would you want to go back there anyway, or would you rather be somewhere else? Is there is there an empirically better place to be? And if so, who's allowed to go there? And and yeah, it was kind of those kind of things really. And yeah, I liked I liked the idea that it's very hard to kind of <laughs> design so many different kind of like unique cultures, and obviously you're using kind of shorthand and things. And I hadn't really realized how much design work there was in that before kind of embarking on it. But I had to sort of like step back and like give myself less of a hard time. Like not every item of clothing needed to have a kind of entire backstory or culture or um, associated sort of, um, yeah, that associated culture that goes with it. I didn't need to think all that through. I just had to make it seem believable for that environment or that it was out of place. Mm-hmm. And when I was drawing the stuff, I mean, other than sort of things that have to have um, continuity that runs through, like um, something like the ship design, I had to be very sort of thought out because it was a staging, uh, a staging thing. But um, little things that kind of pop up along the way, it just had to make logical sense for the moment that it's um, that it's in frame. And you're like, oh yeah, that's supposed to be there because that's a guy who's come from wherever and wearing that because of X, Y, and Z. So they're kind of little little micro logics along the way, um, and at the same time, hoping to kind of create an idea that there's this whole kind of diverse spectrum of people doing weird things, and and that's all cool. So, and, and similarly with the kind of uh, dialogue references to things, there's lots of stuff that's referenced but never explained. And I come, that was very deliberate in that, you know, it could be quite clunky in things when there's a lot of exposition or kind of, I think things I liked, like films and things, when you're, it's like, like you feel sort of stupid for not knowing. So you're trying to catch up and you want to know to know more and they're like should i know what that is i don't know they haven't explained it but i think it makes sense out of context uh, in in the extreme context but um i guess we'll find out or we won't you know i, I kind of liked like referencing things that sort of never pay off because why would the character not you know they wouldn't dumb it down for an audience because there wasn't one in their eyes so yeah That's really interesting to me because, you know, I think that does like when you leave terms like that unexplained, it does create um, a bigger world uh, outside of your work. And, you know, in my head, I was comparing that to Star Wars, where, you know, it started as a very big universe, but eventually kind of like we learned that like everything gets explained and also everyone we've met knows everyone else we've met in that universe, which kind of makes like a very small <laughs> type of universe in the end. And this universe is very expansive. Like it's very diasporic. People are very long ways from home and experience a lot of like, isolation and alienation. So there's like it, it and that sort of like speaks to, I think, a, a larger world than maybe even the characters can handle, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. And anytime I was getting overwhelmed by the size of it, because it's kind of huge in my mind, I was like, how can I show that? Or how can I convey that? I had to kind of bring myself back in and be like, we're only seeing it through the eyes of these few characters on their tiny ship. So if we just keep the lens in what they can see and what they experience, then that's kind of A, palatable for me to be able to sort of think it through and design the logic of it, but also for the audience as well, because they don't know anything about this either. They don't know anything about this world. So they can only see what the characters see or what and the route that they go through it as well. So that kind of made 
kept me grounded, I suppose, in the, in the design of, of, of the narrative and, and the world that it, that it sat in. Mm. And I quite like, um, like it's kind of B-movies and, and small films that, that have limitations, which is normally a kind of a financial limitation, like they don't have the budget to show all this, but they can show you this, this little thing, and will that give you enough information to kind of for your mind to go and fill in the blanks of this huge universe beyond that little thing. If that's designed well enough, like that piece of equipment or that costume or that ship or that character, and if that's made believable, you go, oh yeah, I can totally imagine they've come from a culture that I've never met or seen that they haven't even shown me. So yeah, it's gone well, and I hope I, <laughs> I hope I've managed to do a little of that kind of magic trickery, but. Um, When I look at um, like sort of environmental storytelling in sci-fi, I it's probably very reductive, but I kind of tend to break it down into like there are two depictions of the future. One is like the shining, gleaming Apple Store future, and the other is the sort of like lived-in analog, uh, like Radio Shack future. Which I don't know if that that store ever made it across the pond, but like (laughs) that sort of like eighty sort of tech, you know, and um. The Radio Shack feature, which is kind of, I think, what's going on here, like allows for so much more history and environmental storytelling. And it gives it that lived in feeling because like the Apple Store feature is just so clean and so polished that it almost has like no history (laughs) and, you know, no lived in detail. So, yeah, like when you think about like how you use your environment to sort of also include like the history of the world and where it is like in its timeline, like, um. Like, what was what was your priority in like filling the environments with those details? It was some um, connection, really. Um, it, it was about because it's quite an obviously an alien world. Like, what would be your way into it as the audience? And it's quite human things. So it's about kind of selling those little kind of human details, I suppose. When I worked as an architectural illustrator. If you got like a bad client, they try and remove all those human details. And they're like, we want to show this as an aspirational uh, luxury flat to living. And they kind of, we want to kind of strip out all the mess. And they, they didn't want to be too too specific about anything, lest they scare off a potential client. So they'd be like, let's make it as neutral as possible. Don't show too strong a light in any particular way or whatever. Once you've taken out all these elements, it was very kind of bland kind of illustration that you created. I was like, well, who wants to live in that? It looks like a kind of sterile environment. Whereas if you do something quite hyper-specific, like this this is the person that's living there. They've got these pictures on the walls. And this is the way they they keep their kitchen. And these are the plants they have. And you can sort of furnish a very real lived-in space. People react to it so much more. They're smart enough to go, yeah, that's not how I live. But I can see someone living there. And I can imagine someone living there. And I would put something different on the walls or whatever. But that's why I can... I can imagine that you have it in that space. So it was all those kind of tricks I learned from, from architectural illustration that I used in this to just kind of convince you that people are living here and you can see where they eat and sleep and where they you know, do all the things that we do and can relate to. And then you can sort of smuggle through the higher concept. You almost forget that they're on a spaceship, which none of us have been on. But there's, so, there's a similar sort of language in the environment, like um, it's going to have a similar logic to like say on a boat or in a train or something. Like a, uh, so 
you use those kind of things that people are familiar with let's talk about um another aspect of the story that i really enjoyed which is um you know this is a world that is experiencing uh like intense resource scarcity and is sort of like on the edge of collapse because of that like they are so close um and the story has a lot of really interesting things to say about how um that sort of resource scarcity and this sort of like pre-apocalyptic uh time period like influences um human relation well, not not only just human uh you know relationships <laughs> human and not human and sort of like how it puts limits on like the compassion that we can feel for each other so can you talk about like how that idea like how it is threaded through your story or what you were thinking sort of along the idea of relationships yeah um yeah obviously there's a lot of kind of uh, real world parallels with, with that kind of stuff and with all the various things that are going on in, in the world and people say oh I feel very lucky to live in this place and and they've sort of lucked out from the sort of environment or but every sort of choice and, and sort of action that we make in, in wherever we are in the world seems to affect someone else um, and it's a case of what you can do about that whether you care about that or like do you just enjoy the privilege that you do have or do you sort of like use that to help other people or if you're sort of like it, it's kind of there's a finite amount of space and everyone's sort of trying to shuffle around it to sort of not be you know by the door when the sort of like the devil turns up sort of thing you know it's like it, it, it it's that kind of um that kind of feeling and, and when you squeeze that um yeah people's sort of compassion becomes under under pressure and so the kind of story is about sort of where that line is really it's i mean i don't want to give too much away but it's sort of about the central sort of crew sort of working out when is it just i need to get mine to sort of to survive or where do we sort of like what's our responsibility to help others and you know you you see reflected well, not affects them, but like in the people that they experience that everyone else has drawn their line somewhere on that graph. And that line is constantly getting pressed by this sort of coming coming thing and, and when do people sort of tap out or whether they sort of double down or yeah, I think it's it's just a very interesting thing that's happening in even like very slightly um in different in different places or very extremely in others. So yeah. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us about this. Um, are you working on anything new? I know that sometimes, you know, it's hard for authors to talk about uh, what's approaching for them, but uh, what are you doing these days? Well, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to spend my time <laughs> on next. Um, I think I think I need to um, make sure I don't dive into something. I have, the, um, I have a few sort of ideas that I'd quite like to explore, but I do have a sort of history of like, suddenly finding myself working on another thing without even stopping to, to think. And I'd like to do a, a few more kind of maybe some short form things and some experiments and, and stuff before I sink into another one for But um, I'm, as in, I often say that I retire after every one because they take up so much time and, and effort. But uh, inevitably, I find myself coming back to it. So um, I'm probably not done yet. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm very excited to see what you do next. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great.
All right, listeners, please check out The Hard Switch. Uh, By the time that you hear it, it will be available and out in the world. So please head to your favorite library or independent bookstore or comic bookstore, wherever you like to get your stuff. Uh, You won't regret it. It's really beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us. It's now time to close this chapter. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.